Are you curious about bodies, pleasure, and possibilities? And what about curious about what others are up to on the planet when it comes to pleasure, sex, and play? Have you considered what pleasure can do for your life, your body, and your bank account? Do you know something magical, delightful, and out of this world orgasmic is not only possible for you, but totally available to you? If you're ready to be the magical, sexual, sexy beast you know you can be, and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship, and sex alchemist, Milica Yelenich. Welcome, welcome, my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, we are having an awesome conversation about things, some things that you might not have ever um, considered. So one of the things you might not have ever considered is that we can have sexual exciters, things that turn us on, and sexual inhibitors that actually have nothing to do with hormones. Now, I know for some of you, you think that's no way because hormones are so like integral to everything. And I'm not saying that they're not involved, but what I'm inviting you to look at during this show are what some of the other things that are sexual exciters and sexual inhibitors are. I'm going to be referencing some different uh, scholarly articles that I was reading um, that were inspired. I was actually inspired to go look up some scholarly articles um, from information in, in an audiobook I've been listening to, but it's not just an audiobook. You can get this book on um, also on like regular book format, right? So um, the book is called Come As You Are. It's a fabulous book. I'm loving every minute of it. Um, I'm not sharing with you guys the book, but I'm telling you, go listen to it if you like. It's actually been an inspiration for this week's show and last week's show um, that was all about genitals, how we all have the same genitals, organized different. And this week we have all about sexual exciters and sexual inhibitors. So that did lead me onto a path of some research, which was a lot of fun. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. So for those of you who are just tuning in, uh, if you've never listened to this show, you're going to probably find that if this show excites you, maybe some of my other shows will excite you as well. And by that, I mean, there are over 370 episodes of the Pleasure Zone in uh, audio format, and you can get probably over almost 100, I think, in video. I'm not sure of my numbers anymore. It's a lot. And it's over 400 platforms, so you can find me literally everywhere. And if you are looking for me somewhere and you don't find me, let me know. Search under the Pleasure Zone, search my name, search under the Inspired, just search Inspired Choices Network as well. You might find um, me under there, depending on how the different podcast platforms organize things. So, uh, so tonight, what are sexual exciters? What are sexual inhibitors? Well, there's, these are fascinating things because mm -hmm. some people have massive amounts of sexual exciters and some people have massive amounts of sexual inhibitors so let's just think about that for a second like what would it be like if you had a lot of sexual exciters and what does that mean so sexual exciters are things that get your body revved up and turned on and if you have a lot of things that trigger that response in you that sexually excite you 
you might be turned on by everything. Like you might walk into a bakery and have an orgasm. Like it could be everything during Siwan, which is really exciting. Um, at the same time, I think it could also be conflicting for a person who, who maybe doesn't understand or know what's going on with them and assumes that everything that turns them on is something that they need to have uh, some variation of sex or sexual contact with. So that can be very, that could be very confusing, right? It, it could lend you to, you know, having uh, sex with all kinds of people that maybe you don't, aren't maybe your best and healthiest choices, or you might be choosing things that maybe aren't your best and healthiest choices because you don't have a way to temper yourself to actually calm down because everything is always on overdrive and high with your sexual exciters that are just like always triggering and turning you on for everything. So Yes, it sounds delightful to have a lot of sexual exciters, but it can also lead to things like sex addicts and things like that. Um, well, there's other factors to sexual addiction, but I'm not, um, that's not the conversation today necessarily. The conversation is about having an abundance of sexual exciters, an abundance of sexual inhibitors, and and or having an average amount of these things. What is it like? Because everything on this is like a bell curve. So if you have, so what does that look like? A bell curve. If, if you've gone to college or university, you might have been graded on a bell curve. So there may be people who are, you know, getting 99 or 100 and people who are getting zero. Uh, and then the, the mean might be around like 40 or 50. But then the bell curve, you, you actually look at the, um, the things that are in the middle, but it actually creates the shape of a bell. So there's always going to be things on the extreme levels of either side. And those extreme levels on either side, like the lip of the bell, I don't know what that's called, but I'm gonna call it the lip of the bell. <laughs> so on either of those sides in this like bell shape, you will find that you'll have extreme sexual exciters and extreme sexual inhibitors. There, It's not necessarily uh, common to have, to be on those extreme ends, but it's, it's still, normal to be on those ends. And sometimes it's a result of different factors in your life or traumas or different things that would lend to those extremes. So sometimes healing, doing some healing will also get you into sort of a more regulated where not everything in the world turns you on so you don't feel compelled to have sex with everyone all the time. So it's helpful to know these things so that you can do some self-evaluation um, there are also, uh, I think they're not really called, they're questionnaires, a thinking survey, but there are questionnaires available um, in the world to look at your sexual exciters and sexual inhibitors. So that is, that is some cool information to know too. I'm actually trying to develop my own and I don't know how long that's going to take, but that's something that I'm looking forward to having at some point available as well. So let's look at some real basic things around sexual exciters and sexual inhibitors. And, and why on earth would I even care to talk about this, right? So one of the reasons why I, I am here to talk about this is that I, I absolutely love talking about health. I love talking about pleasure. Um, and I work with people all the time. My expertise is that I 
work with people with sex and intimacy. It seems to be something that came into my life in the last 10 years when I'm working with people. They bring that to the table in my holistic practice. So I got training so that I could actually bring more to the table for them as well. And then um, having this show has been also really awesome for constant research and all of that jazz. So um, as a holistic health practitioner, I work with people with their bodies through movement, also through different types of energy work. So um, what I offer you in, in this show is a holistic approach a lot of times to health. In this particular one, we are going to be looking at, because we're looking at a lot of clinical research, um, I'll be giving you takes on clinical research, along with also some of my own insights into uh, some of this stuff. So, and I just got confirmation from my um, from my producer, who's also the CEO of uh, Inspired Choices Network, also my one of my BFFs. She she has a lot of roles in my life. Um, just told me that I'm at 469 episodes, so that's a sexy number. That's awesome. So 469, I think like 70 or something of them are video and like 370 something are audio. Anyhow, so sexual exciters and sexual inhibitors, they're actually, there's actually surprisingly a lot of uh, research out there available, but one of the ones that I found was maybe the, the, the research that I liked the most that I was reading is by a, a group of people, Cynthia Graham, Stephanie Sanders, and Robin Milhausen. So their research paper is called The Sexual Excitation and the Sexual Inhibition Inventory for Women, the Psychometric Properties. So you can find, if you like research as much as I do, um, I found reference to this research material and then found it, found it on the kinseyinstitute.com where you can download the article. So I'm just going to give you some briefs on what I found in the article um, that I found fascinating. Uh, so some of the things that, that uh, I found most interesting were the methods that they used, um, the different factors that they looked at when they were studying these things in order to create a very wide like approach to what are sexual inhibitors and what are sexual exciters. And then they also added some information um, from Kalichman and Rampa. They also did a, a research paper called Sexual Sensation Seeking Scale, the SSS. Um, and it's a measure of the propensity to pursue novel or risky sexual stimulation. So they included some of these things also in their research, which was really cool. So I have to say in my life, I didn't really like doing research. Like growing up, I, I remember being told, you know, go off, go off to the library and you needed to like go study different things and have to look in the different encyclopedias and whatever and I think had I been told like there is this whole world that you can explore and do research in and had I been guided into the research on uh, sexuality sexual behavior um, I probably would have dove dove in dived in I would have dived in like just with such excitement to do research I think what it came down to is I thought I didn't like research because I wasn't researching things I enjoyed. But now that I get to do research for things I personally enjoy and I'm interested in, 
I, I sometimes get swept away. So you might get a little bit of my swept awayness with research today that I've been looking at. And I hope you enjoy it. Um, I do like to bring that aspect of uh, of all of um, that sort of aspect of information to my work as well. So some of the factors we're going to look at today, and, and you can just check in with yourself too, like what you could use your own scale, or we can just create a very basic scale for the purposes of this show and for your own personal preferences. Um, you can create your own uh, scale for yourself. You can write down some questions related to some of the factors that I'm going to bring up. Uh, I'll post some questions for you as well. And you can rate yourself on some of these things just to see where you're at. And I think it's just a fun little exercise. So, you know, if you don't have anything available right now, if you're driving or whatever, feel free to listen to this the first time. Come back to it when you can get a piece of paper and maybe do, do some of this uh, fun play with me while we're at it. So one of the first factors we look at um, or that was looked at by this uh, research paper that I mentioned was they looked at the arousability factor. So for them, the arousability factor consisted of nine items. And all of those items were related to different stimuli that can increase sexual arousals, such as things like visual stimuli, um, seeing somebody maybe dress in a sexy way, or maybe seeing somebody take off their clothes in an alluring way, <laughs> whatever. Uh, visual stimuli can also be things, um, like I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but there, there was a time about 20 years ago where there was a trend in Japanese porn. I have to say, I've never watched this, but I just know that this is true, that there was a trend in Japanese porn for uh, kinks around watching people eat food. So that even as a visual stimuli could be a very arousing. So it just depends on what you're looking at that could arouse you. Personally, for me, watching like glass blowing, very arousing watching um things be built i think is very arousing and like would i don't know something about lathes and like watching somebody work on a lathe is like i found that very arousing too because i personally love lathes and like one day we'll have one but as a child i just loved working uh, on my uncle had a lathe and he would let me whittle away so visual stimuli and i bet a lot of people have a lot of different things that are visually arousing or we wouldn't have so many different platforms that have video um, available, right? So we like to see things. We're, in general, most people like to see things. For people who have um, sight, they tend to like to see things and they tend to get stimulated by things that they can see. So whether it's seeing the way that a person dresses or whether there's, you know, whether they're dressed in like, fantasy clothing or different things like that. I think arousability factor is interesting because we've got the visual stimuli, we've got just um, different things about attraction, whether it's body type or whether it's um, body shape or, you know, scenarios you've created in your head that are fantasy or that they make you feel like you're desired or loved. And it can also be things like um, arousability can come through even like different hormone levels. So as your hormones are shifting and changing and there could be pheromone releases that have you feel aroused. So looking at your own arousability factor. 
um, is a good thing to do. So do you get aroused really quite easily, do you find? So if you find that you would like score yourself pretty high, we'll say 10 is the highest you could score, like yes, 10 is my ultimate and zero is no, I don't actually get aroused that much by any particular stimuli at all. You might wanna go down to around zero or one. So we're gonna look at a whole bunch of other factors and I think they're a lot of fun because they break things down in such a way. These factors are, are such a great way to look at, how do I get aroused? What arouses me? You know, am I actually more, am I able to get more aroused if I was in different circumstances, if my factors were in place? Maybe we're just not having the right factors in place. And for some people who are chronically aroused, maybe there's like a desire to find some things that will help your body calm down or to explore those energies in a way that you can actually feel um, maybe not like so manic or something. Not that it's bad. If you like want to be fully turned on and hump everything, that's your choice. <laughs> um, just when it becomes harmful to your life or your living or your body, then it's something to consider that maybe that's on the addiction level. So we're going to head to our first commercial break. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, we're talking about sexual inhibitors, sexual exciters. What are they? What if it's not all about your hormones? So for those of you who are just jumping in right now, uh, who didn't listen to the first segment, 
And you might want to go back so you can understand what we're talking about here with sexual exciters and sexual inhibitors, but I'll give you a brief. They're pretty much exactly what they sound like. So what is sexual exciter? Excitement gets you turned on. Inhibitor, inhibition gets you kind of shy or turned off, right? So we're talking about what turns you on and what turns you off. And this doesn't all have to do with hormones, although arousability factor as one of the factors can have... Um, it can be impacted by hormones. But a lot of times what happens is people will assume things like, I have a low libido, therefore I must have low hormones. No, there are a lot of people who will measure um, as completely normal if they've gone to get blood tests, hair analysis, whatever it happens to be. Um, they And they read as completely average when it comes to hormones for the life of them, they can't find it, figure out or find out because maybe they haven't checked in on this on themselves, but they're assuming there must be something wrong. They haven't looked at what's going on, where, what actually turns me on, what excites me and what inhibits me. And you might have a lot of sexual inhibitors around you. And that's something to just be aware of. And sometimes you can change those sexual inhibitors. Sometimes it's a little trickier. Uh, and sometimes if you don't know what your sexual exciters are, then it can also be tricky to get turned on because you don't actually know what turns you on. So if you're not sure of any of that stuff and you would like to know more and you'd like to do an exploration and like what actually turns me on and, and you have no idea or, or what turns me on because like I swear I'm turned on by everything. So maybe I just need to like tame down. Um, usually we're, you know, we think we're one or the other, <laughs> but uh, if, if, you know, if you're feeling like you would like some, maybe some support in that or some assistance in getting through that and you're feeling like you're struggling with that, I'd be happy to assist you to become aware of what your, your uh, different factors are with excitability and inhibition and give you some tips and tools on how to move forward for that. So if you're interested and you'd like to see if I'm a great coaching fit for you, you can always go over to my website at malikzajelenik.com, M-I-L-I-C-A-J-E-L-E-N-I-C.com. Head over there. If you just scroll down to the bottom to the book now, you can book a time with me. So you can get 15 minutes to just check it to see if I am a fit for you. And if I am, we can go from there. So what's our next factor? The next factor that came up in this research report, um, and I'm just going to repeat the name of the research report for those of you who missed it the first time around. So the research report is called the Sexual Excitation and or Sexual Inhibition Inventory for Women Psycho Psychometric Properties. So psychometric has to do with our minds and, and different um, ways of measuring things. So it's written, it was written by Cynthia A. Graham, Stephanie A. Sanders, and Robin are Melhausen. Alrighty. So I just want to acknowledge them brilliant in their uh, in their work. And they also did some other uh, research as well. So I actually looked at a few of their research papers. Um, they wrote another one called Predicting Sexual Problems in Women and the Relevance of Sexual Excitation and Sexual Inhibition, also by Stephanie Sanders, Cynthia Graham, and uh, Robin Melhausen. So a lot of their, just as an FYI, I want to let you guys know that a lot of their research was done with uh, heterosexual women. 
uh, cisgender, I believe. So that is um, pretty common when it comes to different research. Uh, although there, there are researchers that are coming out more and more now that are doing more studies um, within this spectrum of sexuality and gender. So just something to know uh, and to note, right? So this may feel if you're if you're not heterosexual and you don't identify as a cisgender female, you might feel different about these things. I don't actually know because I didn't find research on that. So just letting you know. And if you are somebody who's like, hey, why isn't there any research on that? And you'd like to have research on it. It's always great to talk to people who are doing their PhDs in, um, in sexual studies and you know, anything sex related to encourage them to get some of those research papers created and do the, do the studies. All right, so that's a total side note, but I do think more information is needed. Um, but this is really great information as it is. So the next factor that we have from this um, research paper is the relationship importance factor. And this, uh, they had six different items on this, and it was all about looking at different needs, um, specifically women's needs, to uh, their need for sex, and whether that's like you needed to be married, or you needed to be engaged, or you need the person to feel like they love you, or maybe you don't need them to have any contact with you you just you actually want detachment you want them to not be involved with you there's different uh levels of levels not that one is higher than the other there are different variations of relationships that would factor into this but for for everybody there is usually a relationship importance factor on some uh, to some degree. So it might be more fun for you to have sex with a total stranger than it would be to have uh, sex with your partner of 45 years or something. So it just depends on your, your relationship importance factor. So let's just check in with your, you know, check in with yourself on that. And, and this is just kind of a very overview of a factor. I mean, the, when they have six items in there, um, that would be something that, you know, is broken down a little bit more. And on this show tonight, we don't have time for that. But like I was saying earlier, I am going to be working on something so that you can be able to snap that off my web page and be able to get that to uh, check that out for yourself. Don't know when that'll be done, so no promises on that, guys. But it is something that I, I know is needed, so that will be on my one of my targets to get completed. All right, so let's just check from zero to ten. What is um, you know what is the importance of relationships for you? What is your relationship importance factor? So do you need to trust your partner um, in order to be able to have sex with them? Do you need to have certain levels of communication? Do you need to feel safe with them? Do you need to feel secure um, in order to feel aroused? And that could be a really huge factor. So the reason why there's a, a difference between, um, so there's this, um, so the research was done by, on heterosexual cisgender females, because there are other factors that might that might actually be coming into play when it comes to trust and uh, relationships. So sometimes people in the cisgender heterosexual uh, 
life, I guess you could say, might choose um, might choose to only have sex when they're married or they know in their committed relationship because they have a fear that they might end up, you know, having children or something. So there's some there are some fears that might come around and that the only way that a person feels relaxed and aroused if they feel like somebody's actually there for them and will contribute to creating a life with them. So those factors, you know, probably are very different if you're not cisgender heterosexual female. So that I just thought I'd mention that. So some of these, because the test and the, the, the original quiz was set up that way or questionnaire it does unfortunately exclude a lot of people um, so when i go through it my target is to include as many people as possible and as many variations as possible thus it may take me a while to do some different iterations on that all right so relationship importance where are you guys at with that zero to ten how important is it for you to feel trust in your relationship yeah i'm just wondering so <laughs> so we have a few comments here in the chat room so we have some people saying some of their sexual uh inhibitors are uh yeah so, so we do have some people think saying i think i don't get um I think if I don't get me some soon, my addiction to chocolate is going to need me to go to rehab. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So that could happen. So yeah, when if your body really is on an excitement level and it's not, or it's on a it actually sounds like it's on a frustration level. So there's a lot of sexual excitation, but not a lot of relief uh, or release. So yeah, that can cause a lot of frustration. And um, another part of this is, oh, okay, yeah. So then the other parts of the conversation are all to do with um, learning more about this conversation, which is great because I think so many of us are, you know, we just don't know. We didn't know. We just assume there's hormones, it's aging, lots of excuses, but we don't realize that, wait a second, maybe we really need to feel trust and maybe we really need to feel loved and maybe we need to feel secure and maybe we need different things safe right and there's going to be more factors coming up too and you'll probably find that like if you're an eight or a nine on the factors of feeling trust in your relationship and your partner may have done something that completely destroyed your trust and it might not be that they cheated on you but they might have done something financially they might have done something um, you know, they might have done something in their past that they just failed to tell you forever. So there can be a lot of reasons why trust could become an issue. And that, you know, if you're like turned off because you're like, yeah, no, I just can never be turned on by that person again because they were being a liar and I just I have zero turn on by liars. Other people get highly turned on by liars. So it's not... It's not that all uh, people will be turned off by liars because there are lots of liars in the world who have relationships and they get turned on by that. So there you go. Anyhow, we are gonna go to our next commercial break. You are listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. And we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur? 
Wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.melitzayelenich.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet pleasure seekers. For those of you who are just joining us right now, we are talking about sexual exciters and sexual inhibitors. It's all about what are the turn-ons, what are the turn-offs. It's not all hormonal. It's not all in your head. It's all probably quite a bit. A lot of it is probably a lot of it is experiential from your life, different situations that you've gone through. Um, and I will probably do a show about that, like where and how we start having these um, different factors in our life as well. We have the factors, where did they come from? So, you know, you can start to do some of your own self-exploration on that. It's like, hmm. What is it that has me deeply, so deeply need trust? And say you've only been in one relationship and you know that your partner has always been faithful and they've never lied and blah, 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 or you're sure they haven't, um, you know, your your trust factor or your need for trust might have come from watching your parents or your grandparents or being around other people who uh, you don't, you've seen them maybe be not loyal. And then you're like, wait a second, I know this exists in the world and I'm like on edge because I know this happens. So um, there can be a lot of 
reasons, factors behind what, what and why like these things are, are exciters or inhibitors. The first part is to figure out do these are these things inhibitors or exciters for you and there there is a group grouping when you look at the questionnaire so you can find that questionnaire on the kinsey website kinsey institute and it's under um, if you search on their institute for sexual excitation and sexual inhibitors if you search for the uh, specifically for the sexual excitation sexual inhibition inventory for women psychometric properties by Cynthia Graham Stephanie Sanders and Robin Milhausen you'll find in that article that uh, you that they actually have the list of different things and the breakdown of the different items that you can look at for yourself uh, so you can understand these things a little bit more and then you can dive in and ask yourself some questions like I wonder where this comes from for me I wonder what where this started or how this got triggered and is this really uh, important to me like is trust really important to me maybe not just even in sexual relationships these can, things can also be carrying over to other relationships even work dynamics or with friends or even family right so once you kind of get the sexual excitation down and you understand what's turning you on and turning you off you might find that these things have leaked over into other areas of your life you're like wait a second that trust issue is bigger than just lovers it goes deeper and that's cool like no the more you know about yourself the more you can feel confident about who you are and also the more you know and if there are things that you'd like to change the more uh possibility you have of changing them all right so the next one on the list is the sexual power dynamics factor so I'm going to get through this list before the end of the show of the different factors. So I might talk a little fast on the next ones. So the sexual power dynamics factor consists of four items. And three of those items are actually looked at um, as, and they are connected to the possible impact of force or domination in a sexual situation. So BDSM falls under this category um, for a lot of things where you feel maybe that you would like some dominance or you would like to dominate. And you can just see which one turns you on. Would you like to dominate or would you like to be dominant? So some of those might be like the desire to be overpowered by a partner. Now, this isn't just a, a, a partner that you don't trust. This would be like a trusted partner usually. And there could be other factors like do you just want to be overpowered by a stranger. So all of those things are valid in the sexual power dynamics factor. The fourth one that they used in this study was all about um, dirty talking during sex. And does that turn you on or does that turn you off? So under the sexual power dynamics factor, is that really high mm -hmm. for you? Do you need, you, we can kind of break it down, right? Like, do you need somebody to dominate you? Do you want to dominate somebody else? Um, you know, do you like the dirty talk? Do you like the shame and the whatever? whatever happens to fall under those categories where do you score on that zero to ten? Zero doesn't turn me on at all ten oh some of those turn me on but some of them don't like maybe you don't like dirty talking but you do like some spanking or maybe you don't like spanking but you love dirty talk so you can know those things about you and that way you can have a better uh, sense too of 
What I find what this will do too is help you create better boundaries when it comes to sex and what you're okay with and not okay with. It helps you develop those do don'ts maybe lists that I have available on my website as well that you can download. You can add some of these different dynamics into there and these different factors. So next on the list is the concerns about sexual function factor. Oh, that's a good one, right? Like how many people out there are like, oh, I just can't perform sexually. Oh, my vagina is dry. Oh, my vulva is asleep. Oh, I feel like an atrophy in my entire um, sexual function. Like everything feels dead. So yeah, that could all be a, you know, a sexual function factor where you just feel like you don't respond. Um, and a lot of the items that were on the sexual function factor list were all worries about sexual functioning, like taking too long to be aroused. And I could say that a lot of women have that, that, and unfortunately, a lot of men, um, so this is, in, we're again, these studies are heterosexual studies with cisgender women, um, that for a lot, in a lot of heterosexual relationships, that can be an issue because men, you know, generally have a different turn on time than women. Not always, but it happens. So having, you know, or requiring like something like a version of Caretza where you're going to actually be stroked and loved and felt and held and connected to before you get aroused. And if you're worried about that and you're like, oh, this isn't going to work because this person doesn't even hear me. They don't understand what I need. Um, and then, or you're like, I don't even know because I don't even know if I have skills. Maybe I'm like feeling awkward. My body feels awkward. I can't do all the moves I used to be able to do. So if you have super high concerns about your sexual function and like, am I good enough in bed? done some shows on that if you if you score really high on that then those things can actually impact your arousal they can actually be inhibitors to arousal so those would be your sexual inhibitors so high concerns about sexual function if you're scoring a 10 in there those are that would be that you are having like a super high sexual inhibition yeah you could score it down to zero if you want to, if you're just looking for sexual excitation numbers on this too, or keep track, whatever you like to do. Again, I haven't created this uh, questionnaire myself, so this is just something for you to do as sort of a, a personal review to see where you're at. What does turn you on? Does anything turn you on? Does nothing turn you on? Either way, it's okay. Does everything turn you on? Next one on our list is called the arousal contingency. Now, what the heck is an arousal contingency? That actually consisted of three things. Contingency is, I can only be turned on if, like, if the situation is right, if the heating is right, if the smells in the room are right, if, um, you know, if my partner touches me right, then I'm good. And I have to say that in my my early 20s, I had I had big arousal arousal contingency stuff going on, where I I could be fairly ready to have sex and then somebody could just my lover at the time he could touch me just like one touch the wrong way and I was done I was out of the picture I was gone and done and finished and 
it actually became almost cruel, um, almost cruel to my partner because it was like, uh, I was so I was so frustrated, so sexually frustrated by my contingencies. And I didn't know that at the time. I was just like, oh, why does every like why does everything pretty much easily turn me off? And I mean, there's different factors going on for sure. I was like definitely afraid of getting pregnant. And I did what I called triple protection aquafresh when it came to if nobody knows reference to that, there used to be a toothpaste called triple protection aquafresh. Yes, aquafresh, you can pay me money for that. I don't think they're around anymore. Um, but I would do everything to avoid getting pregnant. I was on the pill. We used condoms. We used spermicide. If I could have put like anything else around me, I would have. My fear of pregnancy was so high that everything turned me off. It's like my body had an automatic response of, nope, nope, don't do that. I could get pregnant. Nope, don't do that. I could get pregnant. So the relationship factor was up there. There was all kinds of factors that were involved. Um, and I think like it's, you know, when, when you have so much going on uh, that you're, you feel, yeah, you feel like everything could be a turnoff that when you finally do get turned on, uh, it's almost like you just, you're, how can I say this? It's like, it's like your sexual function kicks in too. And you're like, oh my God, I better get turned on fast. I better get this done fast. And your brain starts to kick in. And you're like, oh, I, I just, if I don't do this, then it's going to be bad. I can hear all kinds of things from my head in my 20s. And I'm really grateful that my body has chosen to be different now. Um, I do have still some arousal contingency things that show up where uh, it could be, yeah, it could be a smell or it could be a, it could be a situation um, that could just be like, mm, and now I'm done. It could, it's usually words. It's usually some possibly sarcasm. <laughs> oh, back with fresh is still around. Sometimes sarcasm will just, uh, or a comment. Usually for me now, it's like something that could be a verbal thing that will just be like, yeah, no, I'm done. Um, I find that, you know, when, um, if, if I get, sometimes I get like different messages <laughs> from people and, and uh, they're trying to do a turn on for me. And I'm like, yeah, no, that doesn't work for me. They don't even, add, these are people I've never met in my life and they're making assumptions because, and they don't even think that they listen to my show. I don't even know where they know me from, but they've decided that they need to tell me uh, or send me like videos of threesomes of people being tied up. And I'm like, where did I ask for this? That automatic turn off. You've never asked. There's no permission granted. There's no, um, I don't even know you. Like, what is that? Always ask, always ask. So, yeah. So there are some things that can be like a right, a right away, a turn off. Um, you know, I have a lot of other ones, I'm sure. So yeah, writing down some of the things where you're like, hmm, yeah, I could be turned on and these things could turn me right off right away. We're going to talk about, there's a few more to talk about, like the partner characteristics, um, settling or feeling like you're settling and the smell factor. We're going to talk about all of those, uh, those last three in the next segment as we wrap up this show that seems to have gone in five seconds. So you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. And we'll be right back after this commercial. 
Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email info at melitzayelenich.com now back to the program welcome back my sweet sweet pleasure seekers so for those of you listening tonight i'm hoping that this show in itself is a sexual exciter it's getting you aroused it's getting you thinking at least and maybe even getting you discovering what some of your sexual exciters and sexual inhibitors are so just as a reminder and a reference, just so you know where I'm getting this information from, I did, was been looking at some research uh, papers and one of the favorite ones that came across was the sexual excitation, sexual inhibition inventory for women, sick psychometric properties by Cynthia Graham, Stephanie Sanders, and Robin Milhausen. So really great article, really interesting stuff if you like reading research papers, which can be really exciting. <laughs> so when they're about sex and they have great information in them. I think anything can be exciting when you're interested in it. So uh, we talked about, so some of the things I just wanna recap quickly for you guys, some of the uh, factors we've talked about are the arousability factor, the relationship importance factor, the sexual power dynamics factor, the concerns about sexual function factor, arousal contingency, um, and now we're going to talk about the partner characteristics. So in their research, the partner characteristics consisted of four different items, and three of them had to do with the partner's personality. Like, are they personable? Do they interact well with each other? When they're in people's company, do people like them? And um, so I think for me, that's a really big one. And uh, the fact that like 99% of the people who meet my husband like really like him, um, is cool. He's a bit, when it comes to like visiting with people, he has a hard time hearing. So he doesn't really uh, have a lot of conversation with people, but he's, he's got a nice demeanor and he's kind and he's generally quite funny. So people tend to like him. And I think that's really helpful for me personally, that I need somebody who's got like really cool qualities because when I've um, had partners who weren't likable, it was, ugh, it was such a turnoff that people know, like nobody I know liked. Then I was like, Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> so it wasn't good for me. It was, it was actually really tricky. Um, sexually, I actually thought I was dead inside, but I wasn't, it was just situations and factors involved. So, um, the fourth one for partner characteristics is, does the person have eye contact or will they give eye contract, 
eye contact to an, a person that they find attractive? Like, will they actually look at them and engage with them? Uh, which is, I think it's lovely. I love when people will have eye contact in general and, and can see a person. Um, and especially if they can see you as well, even better. So if those things, partner characteristics are really high for you, um, and really arousing for you, mark them really high. They're really, they're a big factor for you. So the next one, and I'm going to talk about this one fast, is settling, uh, which is unusual or unconcealed. So, sorry, setting, that, not settling, setting. So the setting could be something where um, it's a different places, whether it's, you know, you might have problem getting aroused if other people are in the house, you might have problems getting aroused if you're in public, or if you feel like even like somebody could be coming near. Um, I am, I definitely have setting factors uh, for sure. Um, I prefer to feel like I will in my fantasies, I might like to be an exhibitionist, but in my reality, I'm not. Um, I, that's just a fantasy, but in my reality, I'm actually quite private, and I prefer having uh, everything to be very quiet and private. More so, as I age even, it gets even more so that way, where yes, I have had sex in public places, but um, the fear factor was high. <laughs> there was all kinds of other stuff. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, it was usually like quickies in public. So oh, there you go. So um, the setting, and if it's like unusual settings that get you turned on, then that can be a really uh, high thing for you as well. So you can mark that as really high. So higher scores under the setting category reflect higher arousal in unusual or unconcealed settings. And um, yeah, so wherever that happens to be for you, it could even be, yeah, whether there's people around or, you know, even like pets or something, like there can be different scenarios that you're like, no, I can't have sex with my dog in the room. Awesome, don't. We don't know what those guys can do. We don't know what they're saying, <laughs> but yeah, there might be some of those factors. So the last factor is the smell factor, uh, which consisted of two items which uh, were olfactory uh, cues to enhance sexual arousal, particularly sense being arousing. And I think that scent is so triggering and it's one of the first things we have memories of. So, you know, if there's a scent, like for me, I know what turns me off a lot, like in an instant, I could go from being totally aroused and almost have it like, or, and I could be orgasmic and almost climaxing. But if I smell cigarettes or alcohol, it's like done, I'm done, it's gone. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Jelanić. The Pleasure Zone returns next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.